0: It's Cheer.
1: And this is Loathing. We're here to talk to you about movies. She, she loves, loves everything. everything. I <laughs> hate everything. This should be fun. This is a morbidly beautiful podcast. The Shane right Hello again and welcome to another episode of Cheer and Loathing. It's been a hot minute, uh, but I am... Loathing, also known as Casey, also known as the person who makes Stephanie cry, and over there is said Stephanie, also known as Cheer, who happens to love every single thing that has ever been produced in the history of cinema.
0: Uh, wow, we're off to a good start. Um, we are. <laughs> I yeah, I don't know how cheerful I'm going to be today. Um, I'm a little tired. Uh, I I would say emotionally tired uh, with some of the discourse that has been happening around the movies that we are going to be talking about today. So I'm uh, I would I would say my mood is trepidatious.
1: Oh, at that's, this a, that, that's at least a three dollar word, which is far too it expensive makes, for this podcast.
0: Yeah, um, I'm yeah I, I'm super super nervous uh, just given what I know about you and our history and these films that we're talking about and my feelings for these films we're talking about. So, Uh yeah, um, why don't we talk about what we're talking about and then rip the Band-Aid off?
1: I I guess uh, since Stephanie's all kind of bummed that her her new um, best movies to ever have been made, mind-blowing experiences, uh, not everybody loves. So, Mm -hmm. we're talking about a couple i guess rebirths i think is how you uh, worded it in the ad or the uh, promo for this uh makes sense because we're talking about hellraiser and the latest halloween movie for the first time in a very long time we are talking about very very recent movies mm-hmm. uh as in like released this last week um
0: yeah, yeah so for for just a little bit of context for our listeners um so we took a little break and and Part of, a big part of that break is because um, I was attending a film fest in Austin called Fantastic Fest. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the films that I was able to see was the world premiere of the new Hellraiser. Um, and so, you know, I reached out to Casey and I was like, OK, I really want to talk about this movie because it's, it's about to come out. Everybody's going to be able to see it. Um, and I think there's a lot to talk about here and we've talked about a Hellraiser before and I know how we both kind of feel about this franchise. So thought that'd be a great choice. And at the time I said, you know, what I think would be cool is if we did like a David Bruckner double feature, who's the director of the new Hellraiser mm-hmm. and see his movie Nighthouse, which I actually have not seen yet. Um, but uh... I've heard, heard lots of great things about it and I was like, okay, that will be a really great double feature. And we were all set. And I think he messaged me a couple of days ago and said, all right, uh, you know, Gonna just throw this out there, controversial, <laughs> but what if instead of Nighthouse, we cover the new Halloween? And I I think, you know, like my reaction was like, um, no, I don't want to <laughs> do that. <laughs> but um, too bad. Not you made me watch Nicolas because, Cage films, uh, so <laughs> Yeah, not because I dislike it, but because um, you know, I, I've spent uh, the better part of the weekend spiraling due to some <laughs> Some social media discourse around this film. And I, you know, I mean, I always am prepared to fight with you, Casey. That's kind of our kind of our deals, kind Mm -hmm. of a given going in. But I just Mm -hmm. wasn't sure I was prepared to fight with you this much about something that matters to me this much. Um, so I was very hesitant, but then you talked me into it because you're like, you know what, this is what people want to hear. This is important, it's timely, we should do it. And I caved, but um, you know, very reluctantly, I would say.
1: Good. <laughs> I just want to mention something uh, <laughs> about your, your Fantastic Fest coverage, which was wonderful. I'll give you the compliment okay, that your boy. Fantastic Fest coverage was very up to date. It was very timely. It was very lovely. Um, okay, but... but uh, <laughs> I screenshotted every single post you made on social media. 22, I believe it is, where you mentioned wonderful, excited, Mind-blowing best film of the year. 22 times you said that throughout the course of right, your coverage.
0: I am not going to apologize for that. And I'm <laughs> going to tell you why. <laughs> I know how you feel about me and my um, obsessive love for movies and the way that I... What I'm sorry? What did you say?
1: Masterpiece was one you said at least a half dozen times to a dozen of times. Of course. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> I know how you feel about my over-enthusiasm for movies. And... You know what? I will give you, like, I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing. I love movies and I, I get very excited. I get very animated and I get even more excited when I see from, you know, we've had this conversation before. I'm a theater girl. I know everybody's not, everybody doesn't feel the same way about that. But for me, watching a movie in a theater is the ultimate experience and it always enhances my enjoyment of a film if you take that love that I have the theater and then you add a film fest where I'm surrounded by this like massive amounts of like energy and excitement, enthusiasm, and I'm surrounded by other people who feel the way I feel about movies who are a bunch of geeks and cinephiles and just people. I love um, my people (laughs) that (laughs) amplifies that love. I already am inclined to have by, you know, about a million. So, um, when I'm at these film and this is my favorite film fest like I'm obsessed with this one um when I'm at this film fest I tend to just be so full of love and life and joy that it does come out in this very exuberant way um that aside I'm telling you the films out of Fantastic Fest are objectively mind-blowingly good like the lineup of films they show is just spectacular and it's films that I I I might not have otherwise seen. It's a lot of stuff that is. I mean there's mainstream stuff but there's a lot of under the radar stuff. And you just get to discover all this like amazing stuff that um you know, I might have otherwise not been privy to and it's just a really exciting experience. So yes, I did probably heap a ton of praise on these films, but um I I think rightfully so. I think there's a lot of merit to to that enthusiasm, so. So yes, you're correct, but I am not I'm not apologetic about it. I think it it was warranted. Okay, then. There were a lot of masterpieces.
1: I'll, I'll, okay. okay.
0: Okay. And you haven't seen... I would, no, I, I, would right, I haven't seen these 99% of them, so You're very you right. I haven't, but...
1: But I think the term masterpiece should be withheld for something truly extraordinary. Not every film you've ever seen.
0: But these films were extraordinary.
1: Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned you would,
0: you would know if you saw them. You would. You would. You would. I don't know. You probably wouldn't call them a masterpiece because you just don't don't use that kind of nomenclature. But uh,
1: well, there, there's would, one masterpiece out impressed. there, and that is called Avengers End Game. Okay. Yeah.
0: No. Of anyway. Well, I mean, if that's the bar, I don't know how you're ever going to rise above it. <laughs> you so, can't. Um.
1: It's impossible. <laughs> um, you mentioned theaters, and we will get to theater experiences when we talk about Halloween. Okay. Um yeah. we won't go into too detail, but I did see it in theaters. Um which you is the what? first Shut I know. I know. I saw it on okay it's actually funny because um well I don't know if it's funny, but you know when you, you get to the movies and you're there ten minutes early or whatever and the trailers haven't started, but it, it just kind of like shows a reel of whatever on the screen before shit starts, like little advertisements. Yeah. It was like I'm sitting there on October thirteenth, it's like Halloween ends October fourteenth. I'm like, I'm a day early.
0: Yeah. It was That's, fun. um, honestly, now that you say that, I was pretty taken aback that you, when you said we should talk about Halloween, because mm-hmm. I was like, he's fucking seen it already. Like, you don't, yeah, you're not it not even early come adopter, out yet. Yeah, usually. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was, that was impressive. Um, yeah. I, and I uh, am impressed by that.
1: Yeah, no. I, to be fair though, I did not know it was coming out on streaming the same day of theater release, or I probably would have not gone to theater, but, it's okay. It's
0: well, okay. I don't, I mean, if I was a betting girl, <laughs> I mm-hmm. would say that you didn't love Halloween Ids. We'll get to it. We'll get but, to it. We're going to um, talk about
1: Hellraiser first.
0: I I was going to say, and, and still will, that mm-hmm. I, do think, I do think it's a very different experience watching a film like that in the theater than watching it on streaming. And I know a lot of people are watching it on streaming, and I don't know how much it's, Changing their perception, but um, I just feel like it's a movie that is made for the theater.
1: Okay, well, again, we'll we'll get to that. Uh, just put a pin in okay. that. Remember, remember those those words, that phrasing, because I think that's something I can uh, touch on. Because as we said, I'm more of a stay at home and fuck the theater yeah. kind of thing. So. Mm. Maybe, like you said, maybe that'll skew my opinion on whether I liked it or didn't like it. Uh, it's still up in the air. Just because I wanted to talk about it, I want to make this clear. Doesn't mean that I absolutely hated it or automatically mm. hated it. Okay, okay, we'll get to okay. that. Okay, but Hellraiser. Yeah, Wizard. I mean,
0: theoretically, that's true. Anything's possible. <laughs>
1: Anything's possible. Hell risen. Did that? I don't know if that got a theater release. Um, no, it did or not. Widespread it went theater straight release to anyway. Hulu. Yeah.
0: Um, I was lucky enough to see it in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, which was very cool and I am sad that it didn't get a theatrical release um, but, but yeah it was, okay. it, was, it didn't it didn't get one for the masses
1: fair 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 um, right so Hellraiser was released earlier mm-hmm. this week or late last week I can't remember exactly when but it doesn't really matter it was fairly recent um, Rotten Tomatoes usually there's a big split this is fairly even we got 68% and 61% respectively And the critical consensus is a gift for long-suffering fans after numerous subpar sequels, David Bruckner's Hellraiser unlocks the puzzle box for getting this franchise back on the right track. And I assume that's something you agree with.
0: Uh, Yes, I do agree with that.
1: Okay.
0: Why? Wow, I mean, that's a big question.
1: It is. It is. Uh, I need to know Uh why.
0: Okay. 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 Um, well, before before I say all the reasons why, mm-hmm. are you going to reveal your uh, perception of it? Like just overall, are, are my, you positive? Are you negative? My you overall
1: my overall feeling for mm-hmm. this movie was I did not like it.
0: What? And not okay. for the
1: reasons you're thinking.
0: I am actually surprised by that because I know you're a fan of this franchise. And I love we this watched franchise. An arguably judgment shitty Judgement? Hellraiser, and was we both kind of dug it. Yeah, yeah. Um. So I yeah I I actually you know I usually expect you to hate everything, but I was like mm-hmm. you know that thing I think he's probably gonna dig the Hellraiser at least. I mean he'll. He'll hate Halloween, but he'll take Hellraiser. <laughs> but no, no, no Hellraiser love for you. Interesting. All right. Um, God, I want to hear why you don't like it before I tell you why I do like I it. I
1: mean, I we I can get right into it if you want. I like I, I saw this earlier, like the day it came out, maybe the day after it came out on streaming. Uh, so yeah. it's not super fresh. So I kept like my job is very um, how do I put this? mundane. I have a lot of time to think and talk to myself in my own head, oh boy, and I went over yes. this movie about three hours a day for the past four or five days, just reciting oh, like this Lord. is these are the reasons this is, and I want to preface by saying I didn't hate it. it didn't fuel me with a rage uh that some movies <coughs> repo uh did um <laughs> but. <laughs> I I had trouble kind of articulating why I didn't like this movie. And then I I read a review on it and like, yeah, this guy's kind of nailing my thoughts on this movie. Um, First off, I feel like it lacked a whole lot of substance. Uh, usually with a remake, that kind of happens or a reboot, like the Friday the 13th reboot. Entertaining, sure. Like, it was a fine slasher movie, but it lacked heart. It lacked substance. And that's weird to say for a slasher, but you know what I mean. Like, it felt like there was no soul to it. And I got that feeling with this as well. Um, The characters were very, very unlikable. Didn't give a shit if any of them died. Didn't care. They were all terrible. Um, and and a lot of it felt forced. Um, so I, I think we could have done without a few of the cast members, for example. They they played no real part in the story, like the the girl's brother and his boyfriend. So that felt very forced, especially like the the homosexuality angle of it felt very, very like we need to put this in here because it's twenty twenty two.
0: The homosexuality felt forced.
1: It did. Um, okay. and I only say okay. that because did his sexuality play a role in the movie at all?
0: Does it? Does did her heterosexuality? I mean, does it have? No, to? but that's
1: what I mean. That's what I mean. Like, so why did this guy? So get, why can't
0: somebody be gay? Like, no, I'm not saying he
1: can't be, and I don't care. It just felt like he was only there for that reason because we never explored the roommate sexuality, like, and it doesn't matter. So why did we have him in there? Only because just to be like a gay character that's that's no. what it felt like to me it felt like
0: that's ridiculous his boyfriend no. did play an instrumental role in the story and it wouldn't have mattered if he was a man or a woman it's just his partner who's right. invested in like, but I
1: mean that's what I mean like it was it just felt like one of those things where what was that movie we watched um where the the, the two girls go to the cabin um and like to the ones there to like kill her and they're like just married or whatever
0: Oh, um, uh, what? Uh, the fuck was that keeps I called? You alive? Was that what it was what called? Keeps you alive? I think so. Something like that's that,
1: correct. yeah. That was meaningful. It had purpose. When they throw in these side characters who are like, yeah, he's gay, and then, like, he dies, and then it's fairly never mentioned ever again. It's just like, I am like, ah, oh, come on. Did it, was it necessary? Like, we could have done without any three of those characters, really.
0: I actually think that's better than having it be like, oh, let's we're going to comment on the fact that you're gay and we're going to like, we have to create a storyline around the fact that you're gay. Like people are gay and people no, are know, straight and who gives a shit.
1: I, I Like I said, it just, it like, was one of those things that rubbed me the wrong way just because I'm like, it, it, it didn't matter to the story. It didn't matter to the plot. It didn't matter to the characters. It was like, he was there and I don't know how spoiler heavy we want to get. He was there introduced and then basically died.
0: I feel like that's saying like okay, there was a black character. You're like, why did this character have to be black? I mean, do they just have to be black? It's like sometimes people are black. Like, who cares? But but the thing is, they pointed out it has to be instrumental into the story. It's just a reflection of the fact that people are diverse,
1: right? But I mean, it would be the equivalent of like if there's a black character, like oh, that's Steve. He's black.
0: I don't think they did.
1: They did. They I go. Oh, that's like- my brother and his boyfriend. And they're like, "Hey," And I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> okay, let's okay, let's see where this goes." And then like, they like, never that's really his brother and his
0: girlfriend. Like, well, exactly. That's like, that's what okay, I mean. So they could have done without the
1: relationship. In period, they could have been. That's my brother and that's my roommate.
0: But you need characters who are invested. You need characters in the to die. Of the other, well, sure, it's a horror <laughs> movie, so yeah, you do need characters to die. But you also need characters who are invested in the plight of the main character yeah but it seems like they forgot about him so they have to have relationships they have to be connected in some way otherwise they. but wasn't like the
1: brother sister relationship close enough to like a caring relationship
0: she she, i mean
1: then why have the roommate like just a lot of these characters just felt forced and unnecessary
0: the roommate was a really instrumental part of the film that's how to say how what do you mean how he was like
1: no the roommate was a girl yeah, the one you forgot completely about.
0: <laughs> no, I meant I meant, well, I guess I meant like the boyfriend.
1: No, the boyfriend, fine, whatever. He plays a small part at the end, I would say. Uh, but the roommate, like the girl, she's just like there and then she tags along, and then like she's very forgettable, and then she dies.
0: I actually really liked her and was kind of upset when she died, to be honest with you. I, I thought she was a good I mean, she was not she was underutilized, but she was a good character. And I, I actually I don't know. I I kind of vehemently disagree here because I thought the characters were pretty, um, pretty engaging and interesting. I I I thought they actually did a really good job with that. I mean, it's pretty hard in a film like this. You don't have the time and to go into massive character development for the side characters. That just doesn't happen, and it's not something we actually as horror fans even want because we want to get to the good shit. We want the cinnabites. I mean, let's be honest. That's what we're there for. That's interesting. So I think if they had spent a lot of time, like, fleshing out these side characters, it would been like, what the fuck? Like, where is Pinhead? So I don't know. I feel like they did a really good job, like, making me care enough. But how much time did you really want to spend with the fucking roommate?
1: Not like, okay, that's just like a side thing. Like, any of the characters, I, I felt nothing towards. I didn't think any of them. Were redeemable or had? Is
0: that just because you have no feelings, though? I mean, I mean, let's be, no, because that's let's what be
1: fair. Like I, that's <laughs> one of the things that this other review I saw mentioned that like oh, the characters Lord. were terrible. I'm like, yeah, that's you know what, that's that's fair. Um, but you mentioned Pinhead and you mentioned the Cenobites. Uh they were terrible. The designs You're on them out were out of your mind. No, no, you are no, out of no, your no. fucking okay. no, 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 no. They were fucking. They look like they were designed by fucking Gucci. They were too clean. Your, These suits that they were wearing did not look good. They look like they came out of the fucking washing machine, spick and span. They didn't look dirty. Your, they didn't look gross. The suits they didn't, were
0: bad. They
1: were awful. Did
0: you? Awful. Did you get? Did they you looked get so the clean. They didn't. You're. You're literally you've literally lost your mind your damn mind I mean, no honestly, no, this is, no this is chaos <laughs> yeah, theory no. right now I've
1: Watched this with my wife and she said the exact same thing she's like why do they look so clean they look like well, they look like they're drawing the is
0: married to you so i've long suspected she's insane as well so well, I, I no offense to her but beside the point i, mean, I guess some offense but <laughs> hey listen Let me ask you a question before you go down. Because I feel like now the show has barely started. It's completely off the rails. I don't even know where to go from here. But let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Did you get that they were wearing leather suits made out of their own skin?
1: No, because it didn't look like that.
0: So that was the... That was the aesthetic behind the Cenobites is that that was because they were trying to figure out like, okay, how do we sort of modernize this and, you know, make, obviously keep it true to um, the franchise, but do something that's a little bit different. So they came up with the idea of that the leather, because, you know, the Cenobites are kind of famous for their like BDS leather and all this, that instead of like putting on artificial leather, what if the leather was made out of their own human skin? And wouldn't that be, like, kind of a little bit more true to the universe and and pretty cool? And I don't know. I thought it was fucking badass. I mean, unless cool. I you know that. Great.
1: Unless you know that going in, like, you did the research or the backstory or, or or like, heard an interview or something, you never know that. I had no idea that was the case. And it well, looks they like they're just like wearing latex spandex suits. It it doesn't they look did, good.
0: They did show that at the end when they uh, turned that, the, like, bad dude into a Cenobite at the end. Yeah, they I don't know. the process of him becoming a Cenobite. Sure, but I mean, see, like, they didn't the show skin, like...
1: Yeah, you see, but I mean, you don't know that's the because in... all Cenobites are supposed to be different. Did
0: you or did you just read some shitty reviews? No,
1: I watched the fucking movie and that brings me to another point that we'll get to in a minute. Um, but I, I, I can't get over you... how bad these, if you put these Cenobites next to the 1980 Cenobites, the 80s ones win every time and that's fucking like 40 years or 30 years of special effects Uh, evolution, I guess, Uh, technological advancement, and they look worse than they did in the original.
0: I, I, you know, I was, I was fully prepared. Like, you know how you have to, like, athletes and stuff they have to train before a big event or like Mm -hmm. before a big like boxing match or something they do like extensive training yeah i feel like i have to do mental training to prepare for this podcast so that i am prepared to have a sparring match with you Mm -hmm. and i was very prepared that i was going to have to fight about halloween again even though i did not want to do that i was not prepared to have to fight about hellraiser as well so now i'm like (laughs) god damn it like i should have done even more training (laughs) Because this is not this is really, um, I mean, I know you're a hater, and it's 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 who you are. But I, this is kind of crazy to me.
1: I I just have okay. standards and expectations. What what
0: else? I <laughs> uh, I mean, that's one way of putting it. What else sucked about Hellraiser?
1: What did you think of the new Pinhead?
0: I and literally, like,
1: she literally has like pins and not nails. Like the original.
0: Yeah. I loved her. I thought okay. um, the casting choice was pretty inspired. Um, I did. I wrote about this. I know you don't read my reviews. You only read Well, other you told
1: reviews. me not to read the review.
0: <laughs> People who. Did I? I yeah. You that, said I,
1: I just put a review up for Hellraiser. We're going to talk about it. So don't read it.
0: Um. Anyway, I think one of the things I talked about is, that, is I think part of the problem with Hellraiser and I feel like um, there are there's only you know a couple of franchises that are like this. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street is another one where the actor who plays the character is so
1: synonymous it's so with the so
0: integrated role. and so like yeah ingrained in our like uh, what's the word I'm looking for just like our, our expectations mm-hmm. um, and our understanding of the film mm-hmm. that it's almost impossible to replace the actor and still have fans be on board Mm -hmm. Um, and whenever they try to do it as we've seen um, a couple times both with Hellraiser and with like Nightmare on Elm Street um, Mm -hmm. there's it doesn't matter how good the actor is it doesn't matter how capable um, it's just it's never the person that you want it to be right and so if you're if you're not going to have the person that you want it to be like the difficulty of trying to replace him is that anybody who so if you kind of try to channel him and channel his energy um which i think some of the later hellraisers did it's just it's it's an inferior copy it's not as good right and then if you don't give enough of that energy and what we have come to love about pinhead and expect from pinhead then it's like we're like fuck this this isn't pinhead this is garbage (laughs) and the whole reason i watch this is for pinhead Mm -hmm. um it It's really a no win situation it's It's sort of a losing battle, so yes. I think the gender swap was incredibly smart because it allowed an actor to step into that role and still channel the energy of the character that we love but not be directly compared to him and bring enough uniqueness and authenticity that it like it really worked it I think it really it worked for me, and I think it was um great casting i thought um i thought she was amazing i thought the way that she it was so she was so like graceful um and and really sensual and sexy but also like still threatening and menacing and still like you know terrifying in the in the appropriate way and i think that that is really um I think that's kind of really what Hellraiser is all about is this like yes this is horrific but it's also sort of sexy and it's sort of like it is a seduction in a way and you do sort of want to um be a part of this world even though it's like all about like torture and pain and suffering and that um is part of what makes Hellraiser so fucking cool and I think that she did like a phenomenal job sort of channeling that energy and conveying that sort of sense of like danger but also seduction
1: I think you're right to an extent with a lot of that stuff Uh, Mm -hmm. I think she she did go in on a uh, kind of on her heels on the back leg whatever you want to call it and she had a lot of ground to make up Uh, I had no problem with her per se Um, maybe the writing and what they did with her voice was grating I hated what they did with her voice really uh um, she sounded great. I thought it, it sounded like too much was done to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get they're trying to be like demonic and spooky and scary, but they made it too deep to the point where I'm like, if you're going to recast her and make, make the character a female and, and like you said, like a seductress sort of thing, then don't make her voice sound manly.
0: Well, that character's also sort of, I mean, yes, it's a, it's a female actor, but, um, that character is sort, and all of Hellraiser really is about, like, androgyny, and about, um, you know, not having clearly defined, like, male and female, but just having sort of that, that union of both, so I, I I felt like that really worked, because she definitely does have a, a feminine look, but also, um, there is that androgynous aspect as well, that I, I think it's really cool. And, and uh, with all the Cinebites that, you, you know, you can't really, you can sort of be like, that's the female, but they, they're not overtly feminized. You know what I mean? Right.
1: I, I get that. Like, but in terms of just like straight technical and production, it it didn't sound like it was coming from her. Hmm. It You know, like when you watch an, an overdub, like a German movie, but the overdub in English and the voices just don't quite match the actors that's kind of what it felt like here. I'm like, eh, that's, that's, don't care about the gender swap, whatever. Like it's, it's a complete reboot. Doesn't make a difference to me. Like I'm not usually a fan of that. Um, but it kind of worked here. Um, I just, when, when she spoke, I'm like, uh, I I just kind of want to laugh more than be any sort of Hmm. scared. Like it just, it sounded wrong, but not like a good kind of wrong, like a horror wrong. It just sounded like, a mistake.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I thought it sounded great. I thought she sounded great. I thought she, um, you know, similar to with Doug, it's like every time, I mean, here's the thing, the writers specifically write Pinhead with all the best lines and all the best, like the most gravitas. Mm -hmm. And, When I saw this at Fantastic Fest, um, the writers were there and they were talking about, um, you know, how they wrote this character and how they wrote this film. And they said, like, every time um, Pinhead was going to speak and they had, you know, she had lines in the script, they would highlight it, you know, in yellow. And basically it was uh, just to tell kind of everyone, all right, this is the most important thing that anybody is going to say in this film. Like, these are the lines that have to land. They, we have to like nail it because everything that she says, like she doesn't say a whole lot, but everything she does say, she says matters. And that's what go to, you know, I loved with uh, the original Hellraiser. It's just like, every time Pinhead opens his mouth, it's like poetry. You feel like something special is happening, which is such, I don't know. It's such a weird thing to say. I don't know how to articulate it any better than that. It's just like, there is, um, you know, like there's a, there's a a lyricism to it, but also like a a gravitas and an importance and a weight. And, um, yeah, I mean, they were very well aware of that when they're writing for her. And I thought that, you know, her delivery of, of those lines was, was great. And I I think if I had any complaint, it's just, I mean, it's a complaint that we're always going to have. So like, I wanted more, but I also like that it's a measured approach because I think with characters like that, um, Less is more because you get too much and then it just becomes it loses its uh its its flair and its um, excitement yeah you're yeah, like Christmas and every so day, having it it, yeah having it in small doses I think it's really uh I don't know it it works really well for me I I did think she was really well written and I thought her delivery was great
1: I mean like you're not wrong I I can't fault you or argue with a lot of the like the pinhead stuff she was okay uh in terms. I guess, like, I could say the bright spot of the movie. Again, I, and it's not fair to compare her to Doug Bradley, but Doug Bradley did have such a presence. And his voice had such, like, that tone where it's like, he speaks, you listen. And I feel like that's what they're trying to replicate. It just didn't hit. And it maybe if, you, if you're if you a first-time watcher to the franchise, you've never seen a previous Hellraiser or a Doug Bradley Hellraiser, then maybe it has that, but I mean, it, it's hard to differentiate or it's hard to separate those feelings or that comparison because it's always going to be made. It's impossible to not, as much as you may not want to compare it. It's always going to be like, well, that didn't hit the same way as it did before. Uh, and you know,
0: no, I'm go sorry on. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, go on. Well, I was gonna say we're gonna we're gonna I think talk about this in in Halloween too, but um one of the things I struggle with with um the fandom is that uh, and this isn't I'm I'm not saying this to be a hater I'm just saying I think it's um we have to like I think we have to take a step back because every time a movie a sequel or a reboot or whatever comes out in a franchise that's um got a beloved original Mm -hmm. there's this instant like knee-jerk to be like well it's not as good as the original. Get um, this is a lot with Halloween, and I'm just like, okay. I think we as fans have to stop saying that because I feel like. So let me just take. Well, we'll talk about Hallari- Hellraiser. Hellraiser, the original, is an immortal classic. It's a fucking brilliant film in so many ways. Um, it it's it is like horror royalty, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing. Nothing is ever going to be that. Nothing is ever going to supersede that, especially because everything has a historical context as well. So you have to think about, like, the time it was made and how important it was at the time and how, like, you know, revolutionary and how exciting it was to see something so different. Um, that's sort of ingrained in our minds. Um, it's not just the film itself, which is uh, is brilliant in of itself but it's also like the context of when you see it and how you fell in love with it and what it meant to you at the time and all that stuff is kind of wrapped into these original films. And I think we just need to accept like nothing like the benchmark isn't the original, right? It's like can you take what was special about the original and can you continue to keep that magic alive in some form um enough to I mean you're going to have to evolve it. You're going to have to change it. You're going to have to like modernize it, but can you, um, you're never going to have like lightning in a bottle twice, but can you, you know, get enough of the essence of it to um, give it continued life. That's really sort of the goal. And, and, whenever a film comes out and people if if it doesn't resonate they're like oh this is basically i feel like it's an affront to the original it takes something away from how great the original was um and and i just don't think that's true at all i think that these are separate standalone en- entities that have the like nothing takes away from how great the original is right it's just like what do you feel about this new one on its own um does that does that make sense? Like I don't I don't feel like we I think we just have this tendency to be like, well, I mean, compared to like you're like compared to Doug, I'm like, sure. Nobody's ever gonna be Doug. And and that's why his legacy is forever segmented. Um, but Doug can't do this role forever. So if we want to continue to have to have this franchise have life and to get some of the magic from it, we're going to have to accept some sort of evolution and change. And it's gonna be it's gonna take us a little bit to get used to it. And yeah, we're going to have to, like, let go of a lot of our, like, affections and feelings and attachments, but um, that's, that's how we, like, move forward. And uh, again, I don't think that she was trying to be Doug, and I think that's part of what made it great. I think other actors in the past have tried to be Doug, and you're never going to be. And so it's kind of better to just be you and let the franchise sort of evolve into a different direction. Okay, soapbox speech over, sorry. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I mean your points are wrong again I can't, can't argue with a lot of them however what I can argue with is I think it is completely fair to if you're going to undertake a beloved franchise and try to reboot it or uh, restart it or whatever the purpose of the movie is it has to be compared to the original it has to be it, the original exists and it's always going to compare the only way to stop doing that is to stop rebooting fucking franchises every fucking six months. It's th- Well,
0: that's the what only I was going to say. We might as well just stop. We might as, as well mean, just let these movies die with the original. Like, there should be no sequels, no reboots, no anything, because you aren't going to top an original that is that influential. You're just not going to do it. I don't care how brilliant of a film you make. It's, it's never going to be, I mean, you know... We, when you're dealing with like Halloween it's like John Carpenter himself comes and like makes a film and he could do everything exactly the same way as the original and it still would not be as good
1: because I I don't know I don't know because the whole reason I, I think one of the main reasons the original Hellraiser was as good as it was and as beloved as it was and felt as authentic as it did was because Clive Barker did fucking everything on that movie he directed it. He wrote it. He wrote the original short story. It's his, and and you can feel that is his. And I think that was, I think he only did the first one. Maybe the second one too. I'm not 100 percent sure. But when it's your creation, you you built this from scratch from the very beginning, and you saw it all the way through. I think that adds. You can feel that in a movie, and what you don't get that with reboots. You don't get that with sequels, who are done. Look at the the. Well, Nightmare on Elm Street, like like the first one was done by Wes Craven, and then he didn't do another one to like what, the 5th or 6th one or something like that. And then those are the two ones that people regard as probably the best ones.
0: But I guess my point is is that so you do a thing and it's brilliant and it blows people's minds and they're like, "Holy shit, I have not seen anything like this. This is a am- this is amazing." Right? Mhm. the same exact person made a sequel, a direct sequel, Mm -hmm. that was the same exact film, Mm -hmm. essentially with all the beats, even if the sequel was good, even if you're like, that's a good sequel, you're not going to be like, wow, that was better than the first one. Because the first one's already happened, and the first one was magical because of the fact that it was so different it was so, like, inspired, right? Once you've done that, anything after that is a duplication. And even if it's a good duplication, it's still like, okay, yeah, but I've seen this, right? Like, this is good, but I've already seen this. We've been here. We've done this. Now this is starting to feel uninspired. And this is the trap. This is the problem with any of these sort of, like, reboots is because if you, you have two choices, right? And Again, we're going to, I think, get into this at Halloween quite a bit. You have two choices. Basically, you try to do the exact same thing, in which case, you're going to be lazy and uninspired, and people are going to be pissed off because they'll be like, I fucking saw this and it was better the first time, right?
1: Like the most recent Or you Star do something Wars different, trilogy. and
0: then people lose their fucking minds mm-hmm. because you dared to deviate from the formula they expected. And those are literally the only two choices, and people don't want either one. And yet, even though we don't really want any, either one of those things, we want more films, and this is why fandom is so toxic. Because we're like, "Give me more! I need more content." And then you give it to them, and it kind of doesn't matter how you give it to them, it's not, it's not good enough. And I think that's where like we got to be realistic with our expectations, and we got to be like, "Okay, why do we want these films? Do you really want exactly what you had before?" Okay, great. It's gonna I mean, at best, it's going to be good, but it's not going to ever be better than that first thing you fell in love with. And you've seen the first thing. Do you really need more of that? Or do you want some of that magic that made you love it, but in with some additional kind of creativity and inspiration, do you want it to evolve and change? If you do, then there's like hope for these franchises. But if you're resistant to that, then it's like, we we really should just stop because what's the point?
1: I, okay, so I have a, qu- a couple of questions in there. Okay. Uh, when you say, like, the next one's never going to have the magic of the first one, are we talking mm-hmm. reboots or are we talking sequels? Or are we talking both? Because there are plenty well, of sequels out there that are better than the original. Like, Star Wars Empire's better than New Hope,
0: I would for example. I would argue like, that there aren't plenty. Godfather 2. There are a handful. There are a handful of sequels that do either rival or supersede the original right. it's not common though casey i mean no it's not you're, you're right it's not It common. exists, but it's yes. not a, it's not a typical thing right. um i am in general talking about any subsequent film i do think it's a little i do think it applies even more to reboots because at that point a lot of time has passed and so really like the game has changed right like if you're gonna make a film 40 years later from an original we've seen a lot of horror like uh, you know speaking of halloween we've seen a lot of horror and horror has evolved since that point and horror has evolved considerably since the original halloween so then it's like all right if i just gave you the original halloween it's not gonna feel nearly as like fresh and exciting and innovative and special Mm -hmm. as it did when that was released right so i kind of have to give you something a little bit different but if i give you something that's too different you're gonna be like fuck this this isn't halloween Mm -hmm. um you know same thing with hellraiser it's like when you are trying to resurrect a franchise and give it because a reboot is like about, it's not just about remaking, it's about giving it new life, right? It's about like taking the essence of it and reinterpreting it for our modern age and a modern audience and seeing if you can uh, jumpstart a new franchise from that. Um, and that is, a, you know, it's that's a hard, it's a really hard thing to do because like I said, um, you've got to modernize it. It's got to work within the context of modern horror for modern audiences, but it still has to respect the original. And depending on how long of a time span we've had between the original and this reboot, um, it's it's difficult. I mean, I don't let me say this like I don't envy anybody who tries to do it, um, because these fandoms are intense, and it's like I literally like if I'm like if I sat down and tried to write one of these movies, like let's say I tried to write like a new Halloween, I don't know how the fuck I would do it. Like, how do you even come close to Pleasing the masses. I just, I feel like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't.
1: So that brings Personally. me to the, the next thing I was going to say about, yeah. about that. <clears throat> I guess it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Hellraiser franchise in the next few years because Clive Barker just got it back. So that copyright was sitting in limbo for a little while, uh, and it was basically free game to anybody who wanted it. But he just won a lawsuit to get the rights to the Hellraiser film franchise back. Uh, back in December 2001, I think it was. So now that he has control over the character again in terms of film sense, I wonder, A, if he'll make another movie, B, how he'll do it, C, if it will try to capture, or if it will capture the essence of the original because it's him at the helm of it again. The difference between a lot of these franchises and well, the difference between all, like, rebooted franchises is the original person behind the magic isn't often involved with the reboot. mm
0: mm-hmm. um, Well, I, I would say a lot of times they do try to uh, get buy-in from the original creator and get them to at least come on as a consultant or a producer right but how much to...
1: sway does it actually hold you know yeah, what i mean like if you
0: think yeah
1: I, I I don't know like i think a lot of it's just like a ceremonial thing to be like we did our due diligence we brought him on like if if uh we'll talk about halloween in a minute but i mean in terms of that rebooted franchise i know they brought john carpenter on as some sort of role but if they were exactly. filming and john carpenter came on and went uh yeah i don't like that and and uh, what's David fucking Green? What's the fuck David his first Gordon name? Green. David Gordon Green. Is that what it is? It's David Gordon Green. Yeah. yeah. Um, if he went, okay, great, John, thanks for the input. Turn around, and be like, we're not doing what he just fucking said. We're gonna do my idea instead. Like, I'm sure that happens I, all the fucking time.
0: I, 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 I would venture that that <laughs> I, I would okay, venture maybe that, the, John the, Carp- that John Carpenter, John is Carpenter's opinion extreme. on Halloween holds a a lot of fuck- weight, ton of yes. weight. But, and especially because I think that a lot of these reboots, uh, one of the things that I think it is good about it is a lot of them are being made by people who are genuinely passionate about the property. Um now, you know, it's like what we argue about. is it a cash grab? let's be let's be honest. everything is being made to make money. Yes. Nothing is being made for these films cost too much money to be made for just art's sake alone, right. but you can definitely tell when something is made because somebody's trying to cash in on the name and they don't really give a shit versus mm-hmm. when they're like, I actually grew up loving this film. I care about this. It matters to me. Um, and I think that's kind of what we're seeing is separating the reboots that are successful or that at least like, you know, get like passion and get discourse and engagement versus ones that are just like, seen and immediately forgotten
1: right? Um, but then, and I
0: do know for a fact that the people involved in both of these films we're talking about are definitely like fanboys, people that are, are pretty passionate about these properties it doesn't right. mean it's going to automatically hit with people but it does mean that there's like some integrity involved in making them.
1: Sure, but then we run into the issue of is it going to be too samey where is it is think- not going to stand on its own sort of thing, you know
0: so did you, let me ask you this. Did you mm. find Hellraiser too samey or did you find it too different? Or just, wh- what was the... I just
1: found it overall lackluster. Uh, I didn't think it was anything original about it. Uh, I don't know if you remember, like, I think it's Hellraiser 2. It, it followed a lot of the same beats as Hellraiser 2 where this mega rich guy wants to open the box because he wants to meet the Hellraiser. So he, he hires other people to open a forum so he doesn't have the issues. And then the end, he turns into a Cenobite himself. It follows a lot of the same beats as Hellraiser Two, and I mean, same I, source I, material. So, yeah, well, right, but I mean, as you said, like it's very samey in that sense. It just didn't hit the same way in Hellraiser Two. Obviously, isn't Hellraiser One. It's not as good of a movie, but it still has, it still holds its own. It's still a decent sequel, and yeah, it I just it's a pretty good sequel. Yeah, it's it's not bad. I mean, it was before the franchise started falling apart, uh, but it it, it was just like okay like you said i've seen this before it's not new it's not sure the characters are different but the end result is roughly the same
0: yeah and i guess this is where i struggle because i'm like well okay with for for me so i'll just say like for me i think they did bring enough um Originality to the table to feel like it um, wasn't completely derivative, but still like honored and respected the franchise. I think with Hellraiser, listen, I, I, when I watch a Hellraiser movie, I have very specific expectations about what I want to see. I think we all do. Yeah. I mean, I I want to have the weirdest boner of all time we w- yeah well okay um that's not how i was going to describe it what i wanted but sure <laughs> but it's like okay we want pinhead we want that iconic dialogue um that i mean cuz honestly for me one of the huge things that always separated and elevated hellraiser above just about anything else was the fucking way it was written and the i mean cuz it's Clive Barker i mean nobody Turns a phrase like Clive Barker mm-hmm. and and it is like you know I'm an English major. I geek out over like language and stuff, and it's like every fucking word is so purposeful and beautiful and just exquisite um so I mean and that's hard to get when it's when Clive Barker's not involved, but that's like you want that sort of elevated nature of it where it doesn't just feel like a general sort of slasher hack and slash sort of thing. Um, but more than anything, you like you want Pinhead and you want those Cenobites and you want it to look fucking cool and you want to see really cool kills and you want to see the torture and shit. And this is a situation where it's like, yeah, okay, you can't serve up exactly the same thing, but you don't want to deviate too much because that's what makes Hellraiser so special is those like kind of key elements. So you sort of have to... Again, like, it's a tough line to walk because you've got to you got to give people what they want. But once you've seen Cenobites and you've seen, like, these cool, like, t- the torture and the chains and all that shit, it's like you can't just I mean, do you want to just see the exact same thing over and over again? Probably not. It's not really. You might as well just watch the original watch the originals again. Which um, is
1: kind of the whole. I yeah. think that's what everything kind of boils down to. Like, but I'm, I'm like, all you for say mon- that,
0: but we. I do, I did, cr- I do want to see more of it. That's the yes, thing. It's like I, it's I agree. The, like great dichotomy. It's like I want I fucking more of that on the big screen. I want to see hmm. more Cinebites forever. I don't want it to stop.
1: <laughs> yes. I, I I get it. It, it. It's it's like you said. It's one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't sort of situations. And I don't envy people who who take on reboots or reimaginings or whatever. It's <sighs> It's I, no win situation. I,
0: yeah, I will say I do love and appreciate, and I, I, I'm reiterating myself, but I do like that some of these reboots that we're getting are being made by people who have a legitimate passion and understanding of the source material. Um, and with source material like with Hellraiser, it's beyond just like, oh, I like the movies. It's like the actual you know written source material and they have like a reverence like the writers talked about like how much research they did and how many books they read and all the comics and all the like studying and stuff and just really trying to completely absorb themselves into this universe and I think you know even if I know you're like well it just didn't it didn't land for me I still think that that passion comes through in this film this film doesn't feel like when you're watching it to me anyway it doesn't feel like I'm like okay, lazy cash grab. Like they're just trying to like cash in on this, the cachet of this name and how much people want to see another Hellraiser movie done right. Um, I feel like there was real effort that went into this. And I always am somebody who genuinely appreciates effort, even if it doesn't, even if it misses the mark, if somebody goes for it and they put their all into it and they're like, I'm going to do my very best to make a movie that's respectful of this franchise that I love, um I feel like that deserves props and credit.
1: I mean we, we can talk about this forever. Um Okay.
0: <laughs> it's just Let's it, not, it, no, it's
1: not though. That's not cuz we we still we've been an hour in and we still have to talk about Halloween. Um okay, Yeah. I'm yeah, just okay. going to say that this 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 thing is um for all the 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 comics and uh I don't know what you would call it, it the non Clive Barker lore behind the franchise. I don't know how much of that I would consider valid. Uh, mm. Again, like I consider whoever wrote the original, if he didn't have a hand in any subsequent stuff, then it's not canon, in my opinion. Uh, like they, they, you mentioned like the source material and stuff, they, but they changed a lot of the source material. They changed how the lament configuration works. They changed like those fucking steps that weren't in any of the originals. And I don't believe we're in the uh, Hellbound Heart Uh, short stories Uh, either. So, I mean, let me...
0: So, go ahead. Sorry. So sorry. Uh, Keep going.
1: No, I'm just saying, like, if you want to stay true to the source material, then you have to stay true to the source material. You can't add your own flair to it by changing drastic things like that.
0: Let me say something, and we can end this conversation. Sure. You are obsessed with the Marvel Universe. And I wouldn't say
1: obsessed
0: that's but continue. Mm, i will okay uh, uh I mean, how many writers have touched like these like beloved properties, and how many times has it has it changed and evolved and has like timeline shifted and stories backstories shifted, mm-hmm. and you know character arc shifted and and you lovingly embrace that so i don't think and it doesn't take anything away like just because you know you have a character who has had different evolutions and different backstories doesn't make that like character or source material any less valid
1: so there's a a difference i think between comic books and literature or traditional literature and that is the company the publisher, whatever, Marvel, for example, owns those characters. The creator doesn't necessarily own those characters. If you look at something like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they haven't really changed in 40 years because it was an independent comic. And I believe those guys still own a good portion of the rights to that, the two guys who did that. But, you know, like the guy who created Superman is long fucking dead. Uh, And DC has since owned or bought the rights to that, so they can kind of do whatever they want with it, uh, and the source material, and to be fair, like, the, the origins of a lot of these superheroes don't change, I mean, Batman's Batman, because his parents have always been shot in a fucking alley, Superman's planet always got destroyed, though, and then the story evolves, because it's been, it's been around for fucking a hundred years at this point, but when you come to something like Hellraiser, or, uh, Stephen King books, or something like that, they're, they're not, portrayed in the same way they're not ongoing stories that need to evolve because it's been going on forever and ever and ever this is a, these were one-off stories that had a beginning middle and end and they concluded and the source is there it's like you wouldn't take lord of the rings and change it from a ring to a fucking necklace that can make people fly into space just because that would be the natural evolution or whatever you might want to call it you you stick to the Tolkien lore and you don't deviate, or you will have your fucking nuts chopped off and shoved down your throat. See the difference? All right. That's just kind of like my my thoughts. Like how like like comics have to evolve because they're ongoing stories, they're serials that go on forever and ever and ever. But a one-off novel doesn't, unless they make sequels to it, which sometimes happens. But again, usually the sequels. You don't usually have Clive Barker's Hellraiser or, like, Stephen King Cujo and then Cujo 2 written by fucking Stephanie Meyer. So Cujo right. 2 will be written by Stephen King.
0: Um. Well, I think we have beat this dead horse... Uh, to death. To, to death uh, <laughs> again and resurrected him and beat him again. Yeah. Um. So let's... uh.
1: Shift gears to I mean, Halloween ends. Hellraiser
0: isn't even that controversial. I think most people are pretty like.
1: Yeah, well, it was sixty-eight and sixty-one percent. Everybody's su- right, kind of like surprisingly pleased with yeah, it. Yeah, so mediocre one ever Let's at, move at to worst. a
0: film that is, uh, is a little more polarizing. Far more polarizing. And talk about Halloween ends.
1: Alrighty. So as you can see, that episode ran pretty long. We talked about Hellraiser for a long time. So, we decided to split this one up into two parts to make it a little bit easier for you to listen to. So, that was Hellraiser part one. Here it comes part two with Halloween Ends.